Hi, I'm Spencer. And I'm Blake. And, and you're, you're about, about to, to get, get jumped. jumped. Welcome to Blake and Spencer Get Jumped, a weekly anime podcast where we watch the anime so you don't have to. But you should still totally watch the anime. This week, we're taking a break from our regular anime coverage for the second end-of-the-year special of the show. Yeah, it's actually uh, the end of an entire year of the show, and usually we would say something funny here, um, but instead, we will just say that it has been an awesome first full year, and uh, I just want to go ahead and jump in. Well, that was really nice. Yeah. I, yeah. It, but while you were saying it, I will say there's that um, that joke in the first season of Parks and Rec where Marlene Briggs Nope is getting an award and Ron doesn't like her but has to give a speech. And he's just like, it is true that you have won this award. And that was all I could think of <laughs> while you were saying that. Yeah. Anyway, hi guys. Well, hey everybody. Yeah, um, that's so, so cool. Uh, we, we finished a, an actual full year of recording because last time we started in like June or July, right? Yeah. So uh, a couple things that we just wanted to kind of go through throughout the year. Um, we we hit a a couple of like pretty pretty awesome uh, milestones along the way. Um, so the first and foremost, uh, I just checked this morning to find out where we're actually sitting on it. Um, but in the past month, we've hit over 2,000 downloads. And Ooh. this past week, we we hit 482. Um, hey, that's so a lot more are, than usual. Yeah, so we're, we're kind of ticking up. Um, I I really really think it's it's mostly because we are we're reaching out to people in a um, in a really cool way now. Um, I I've been much more active having conversations with people on social media, um, having lots of uh, different groups that I'm a part of, meeting these fantastic people. Um, and uh, with that being said, this new year is looking like it's going to be fucking awesome. Um, so, uh, we've talked to a couple of different cons about being at the con. Um, uh, I can't name them yet, uh, because none of them are down in stone. Um, the other thing that we have, as I have on the docket, uh, around six other podcasts that want to do a mashup, um, and about three different special guests that are really interested in being interviewed on things covering, um, cosplay um one of the people is doing this really fantastic uh series um where he talks about um uh he talks about like religion and anime and how they kind of like intertwine for is different that a, anime is that a podcast because um, that sounds like my no, kind of deal so that is a, a this guy does panels at cons throughout the united states that's awesome um, yeah, and we're gonna. Uh, he's he's doing a he's doing a panel uh, this upcoming year at a con that's coming up, and then um, we also are going to be interviewing this guy that takes anime um, and mixes mixes it with his teaching, like of uh, history and math. Um, so it's just like, uh, sorry, not history and math, but science and math. Um, so it just sounds like 
you know, like anime mixed with Bill Nye, which sounds fucking awesome. Bill um, Nye, the anime and, guy. Bill. Yeah. Bill. <laughs> so, like, we have a lot of cool stuff coming up, but I mean, that's not that's not to like downplay what we've done this year too. Well, it's is, been a know. huge year. Uh, I was just. St- I was just trying to like list out all of the shows that we've covered just this year. And it's a long list, which like I know makes sense because it's a full year of content, but still like looking at it all at once. um, Like what we did last year was we did sort of a breakdown of what had happened in all of the shows we had covered that year. And I was kind of typing up things like that. But this year I just typed up little blurbs instead of like multi bullet points for like the macro things, because so much happened. It's been so much content and it's kind of crazy. Also, this was the first year we did a con speaking of cons, which has, I think kind of been an unrealized dream of mine for a while. I love going to conventions and I have since I was a kid and it was so cool to go to one with a press pass. It was really awesome to get to interview like three legit voice actors, but also the other three interviews that we did with different people that are like connected to anime and Japanese culture. It was so cool. And they were so diverse. Even the three different voice actors, we all talked about different kinds of things. Like if you're listening to this, you probably listen to those, but if you haven't, they're definitely worth it. And it was such a great experience. And uh, it showed us sort of the pathway forward to doing that some more. So we're definitely going to yeah. be looking forward to doing more interviews and more content that is uh, supplementary to our normal anime episode coverage. And I am yep. really excited about it. Yeah. Um, the other thing that, uh, we, uh, are striving to do, um, in the, in the new year as well, we've talked about it a little bit, um, which is our, our new integration pieces. Um, so I have di- like, I've dived. It's divin. Are you sure? <laughs> is it dived? It's dived. It's definitely not divin. <laughs> Anyways. I've dived like headlong into a a whole bunch of bleach forums, um, uh, just kind of kind of kind of get a feel of like what people liked about bleach, what people didn't like about bleach, um, what they l- are looking to learn from a um, like a companion piece, which they're more interested in because there's so fucking much content online where people are just watching episodes of things and then reacting in real time, and I'm like. I understand that that's like a gimmick as well. Um, you know, and I, I do want to do a reaction, um, a, a companion piece, uh, to bleach where I'll be covering a couple of episodes of it and then putting it up on YouTube. Uh, Blake is going to be doing the blog version of this, uh, in mega form, um, that he's, yeah, be which I finally gotten started, yeah. but is not posted yet because it's in its incubation stages. <laughs> But that's definitely happening next year. Yeah, but I've been reading Bleach and I'm enjoying it more and more as it goes along. Yeah, but with that being said, I've met some really fantastic people. One of which, um, it, I will, I will talk about this person that has given their time to do some Bleach research, and they they started their own Bleach forum um, on Facebook. So I will definitely start plugging that um, as soon as we get up and ready. Um, but they took a lot of time out of their day to just give me like a 
like a shotgun blast of like all this bleach information and uh, research that they've done. And it, it's fantastic. It's just one of those things where it's just like, Oh, if you reach out to the community and you're like, this is my honest want, their response back is, can just be, um, you know, something amazing. So, yeah. And that's, you know, kind of hearkening back to um, what I was talking about with the interviews that was something that we talked about with, um, I think it was with Lauren specifically, um, and also with Kieran, which mm-hmm. is basically that, you know, Phantom can be a place to find your community and to find solace because it's all enthusiasts. So if you're trying to do a cool project, like Phantom's a good place to look. Everywhere has its jerks, but I think the people that are there for passion and love and excitement that want to share in those things really far outnumber those people that kind of give you a bad experience. If you've had a bad experience, it's maybe time to check it out again see if you can find your people. (laughs) And if you haven't, you probably can find your people because there are a lot of really cool people involved in fandom communities and um, specifically at conventions. Yeah. Um, So the other thing that we're going to be doing inside of this, uh, this special is we're going to be recapping our year in anime watching. Um, But I I would really like to cover like what I'm I I am looking forward uh, to in the next year anime wise, um, and I just wanted to give you want to do that first. Yeah. So um, here are a breakdown of the uh, 2019 shows that I am super fucking excited about. Number one, and we have to cover this because we have covered it before, One Piece, uh, sorry, not One Piece, One Punch Man Season 2 comes out season next two. year. Season 2. I am so fucking hyped for this. Um, it's long awaited. I believe, uh, I believe um, Mob Psycho Season 2 comes out as well. Oh, yeah. I don't want to jump ahead too much, but I think that's coming out as also. Yeah. So, um, the, the... This show is so good. Yeah, Mob Psycho Season 2 comes out actually in January. Um, uh, One Punch Man comes out in April. Um, but I am, I am incredibly excited to watch these two, uh, these two seasons um, that are coming out. Um, obviously, there's going to be like more My Hero Academia. Um, but if that's what I'm excited about, <laughs> <laughs> but like, that's like my. That's the only current anime that I'm actually paying attention to actively. Yeah. And I love it. And the other thing uh, about these shows, not only are they fantastically done, go back and listen to our coverage of One Punch Man if you want to know how much I fucking love that show. Um, it's but a lot. They have these rabid fan bases, um, and not just in the United States, but also in Japan, and they pour their heart and soul from these... Uh, from these anime companies, they pour their heart and souls into these seasons of these shows. So you can expect them to be not only super well adapted from manga, um, but they are go- they they involve some of the best voice actors in Japan. Like I, I cannot talk enough about how much I love the voice actor for Saitama. He is perfect. Um, <laughs> Every every like inflection on it is is just I don't know I'm I'm a huge anime nerd for um, really good voice actors as I've I've learned more and more about like exactly what they do and how much time they spent like figuring out being really good at stuff when you when you hear some dub actors uh, it's 
you can tell sometimes that they're just kind of like boning it in. Um, whereas yeah, some like, of them don't seem to be trying very hard to get the emotions yeah. in a truthful place. Yeah, and I I've, would say that none of the people we interviewed embodied that. Yes. And that was really exciting. Yeah, I actually went back after uh, interviewing um, uh, uh, interviewing Lauren Landa and uh, watched through um, uh, Seven Deadly Sins um, in the American in the dub. dub. And it uh-huh. is not as terrible as I expected it to be. Um, <laughs> but here's the She's thing. She's good. Yeah, she is good in the show. Um, there are a lot of people that uh, that that dub shows that I just cannot stand listening to. And I think it's the biggest reason why is that if you pick apart like three or four different shows, the same voice actor will be doing the same voice for like six different characters. And I think it's just because of like the way that Funimation sort of just like pigeonholed themselves um, into like, this is the niche where the only people that are doing this. Um, If you get a show that's come out from us, we have this roster of people and we're not going to expand out of that. Um, And it was like that for a really long time until you had the new crop of people that rolled in um, and were kind of like raving and, you know, wanting rabidly new anime inside of the United States. And at some point I think they were just like, Oh shit, if we don't increase the quality of this, they're not going to buy any of the dubs. They're just going to stick with subs. And we're not going to yeah. be able to get the money out of these people, which is where you get people like another voice actor that we interviewed um, with the new season of My Hero Academia. Like, that new crop of voice actors... Yeah, Justin Brenner. That dub is solid. I have been uh, watching like the, the dubbed first season... And just because I wanted to, I wanted to get to know, like, you know, some of the people that we've interviewed, and that is a very yeah. solid dub. Um, it doesn't drive me crazy, especially, uh, like, villains that you think are just going to be, like, you know, the same voice actor doing a villain, but it's, uh-huh. yeah, it's just a really interesting. We'll and- have a talking like this contest. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, there's also... If you want to hear us talk more directly with a voice actor about that kind of process of putting a little bit more into it and trying to make those performances sound real and truthful, then the Lucian Dodge interview is where we really go deeply into that. Mm-hmm. Um, and he's going to talk, he talks a lot about that and we talk a lot about acting and the process thereof. So if you want to hear us wax about that with a professional uh, the Lucian Dodge interviews the best one for that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, there's, yeah, there's a lot of stuff coming it, up. It's been cool. I've been watching um, a couple of things in dub because um, sometimes I want to play Pokemon while I watch TV, but I also want to watch a lot of anime. And I traditionally watch anime subbed only, and I have been trying to transition out of that so that I can also play Pokemon at the same time. And um, that way I can also kind of get a taste for what American voice acting is doing right now. And my interest in that was really piqued by those interviews that we did. I had a fairly low opinion of voice actors. Well, not of voice actors, but of the voice acting being done in, um, in American anime. It always just seemed like the melodrama of anime didn't translate to English very well, as far as I was concerned. But since talking to them and seeing 
you know, how passionate they are and how much they put into that process, it has really lit uh, a fire of interest in that in me. And I wanted to see more about that. So I've been like looking up, you know, there are shows like My Hero Academia that I'm deep in on the sub and it would be hard to transition out of that. And so I've just like looked up YouTube videos of like dub trailers and stuff like that to see what they sound like and to see what kind of work like Justin was doing on Deku and stuff like that. Um, But there are other shows that I was starting or starting over that I thought like, oh, here's a good opportunity for me to put this in dub instead and see what these American voice actors are bringing to the roles. And that's been really interesting. And it's kind of opened up a new avenue of anime for me. And I sure don't love all of them, but some of them are really good. And um, I definitely prefer subs, but that I'm really happy to have a new appreciation of the dub and to be able to enjoy that in a way that I haven't been able to enjoy since uh, since I was watching shows dubbed on Toonami in high school. So um, what other things are you excited about, Spencer? Yeah, so um, the... Uh... The other thing that I wanted to to go over really quick is there's there's a couple of uh, uh, new uh, studios that I really really wanted to pay attention to. Um, the the one that I I really wanted to uh, pay attention to the most is going to be a spin off of um, uh, uh, Studio Ghibli. Um, and there is oh, yeah, I heard about that. Yeah, so. There is the biggest one that I am the most interested in. Um, it, it looks like it came out in August of this year, in 2018. Um, but it's going to be a, a continuation series, an anime anthology, uh, produced by Studio Ponok. Um, I think it's how it's pronounced. And it's called Modest Heroes. Um, it looks fucking awesome. If you haven't looked into it yet, you absolutely should. Um, it's, uh, it's original release, um, uh, it looks like it it did, yeah, it's January of 2019 is where it's going to be released inside the United States, um, and, uh, the director of it, um, let me go ahead and pull up his name as well, is going to be, uh, Hiromasa Yonibai, I cannot pronounce that, um, Yonibenyashi, I think is his name. Um, his nickname is Maro, apparently. Thanks, Wikipedia. Um, and, uh, he... Uh, we already have a Maro here in the States. Oh, thanks. Sorry. <laughs> Anyways, um, his, his directorial debut, if you wanted to know where he came from with Studio Ghibli, was The Secret World of Arietti. Um, it is a beautiful film, um, and... Oh, I haven't seen that one. Yeah. That one was out in theaters, like, a year or two ago, wasn't it? Um, I think it was earlier than that. Um, I think it was, like, 2015, um, maybe a little huh. bit earlier than that. Um, but it... I think it was at least Jesus. when I lived in Chicago. It was... Really? In theaters here, though, is what I'm saying. Yeah. I think it was more recent here. Yeah, but, like, if you don't know what that one is, um, it's a it's a fantastical piece that's based off of Thumbelina. Um, it's, it's, it's really cool. It's like, um, you know, I don't know, I guess, like, Little Kitty, it feels a little bit. Um, but the other one that uh, he... He worked on was uh, Mary and the Witch's Flower. If you haven't seen it, it came out in 2017. Um, it is also very, very good. Um, it's I haven't heard of that one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it, it's going to be done by the same studio that spun off. Um, but their studio just, they do a lot of really cool work, it looks like. Um, and I, 
I started to read what Modest Heroes was about. Um, I got about two sentences into it and then was like, nope, fuck it. I'm, I'm, I'm just going to in- enjoy it and not like jump in too much before just already bought in. Yeah. You don't want to, I mean, if you're already like subscribed to something, you don't necessarily want to learn any more about it. Yeah. I don't want to spoil it, it at all for myself. I, yeah. <laughs> It depends on, like, I do that with movies. Sometimes the movie, it doesn't really matter what's going to happen in the movie. And so I get, like, really jazzed over the trailer. And sometimes, once I know I'm into it, I'm, you know, like, sometimes you'll see, like, here's the new trailer for whatever the hell. And I'm like, well, I know I'm already going to see that. And I'll probably run into that movie trailer when I go see something else. So I'm just going to sit back and not see it if it doesn't happen incidentally. Yeah. And... That's because I know I'm already going to go see that movie, and I'm already excited about it, and I also like to let that pressure of excitement build, because I'm one of those. In movie world, um, things that uh, surprised me this week that I found out was uh, a Transformer movie that has a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. What the fuck is this shit? What? Um, Bumblebee has a 97 on Rotten Tomatoes. (laughs) <laughs> the last time I, I saw a trailer for that at the movie theater, I was like, this looks like it could actually be good. Yeah. Which is very confusing. But I don't think I don't think this one's being directed by Michael Bay. It was I think not he's just producing. It was not directed yeah, by so, Michael Bay. Yeah, so that's one of those things where it's like if everybody you date is crazy, you're the common denominator. Mm-hmm. If every Transformers movie is bad and they're all directed by Michael Bay. He's the common denominator. Although the first Transformers movie is pretty fun. It's okay at It's best. not good. It's just fun. And that's kind of all it needs to be. But yeah, that I had not looked up reviews for that because I'm completely disinterested. Yeah, Travis... That's really surprising. Travis Knight is the director, uh, the son of the, the owner of Nike, um, <laughs> which is really weird. Um, that's so random. He also, the other day I found out that he used to be a rapper... <laughs> What the fuck? What is happening? I know, right? Who is he? <laughs> Anyways, um, with that being Nike, said... The heir to Nike slash rapper slash film director. Yeah. That makes me think of like um, like uh, Kevin Napur, the mathlete slash badass MC. Oh, yeah. From, uh, from Meat Girls. Yeah. Well, I want to say in movie world... I think that this year, superhero movies took a page out of the anime's textbook. And I point specifically to Avengers Infinity War. Yeah. Most specifically to the moment when Thanos punches a moon at Iron Man, which is a sentence that sounds like some stupid-ass anime shit that I think would be cool, (laughs) but actually happened in, like, the biggest movie of ever. Yeah. And it was awesome. They That movie was really good in general, mm-hmm. but it was action-packed, and the action sequences were generally a little more frenetic and a little more imaginative than you see in a lot of superhero action films. And it reminded me of those high-budget fights in Naruto and great moments in Soul Eater and One Punch Man, where you just get these really sick things that have an extra touch of imagination to them. And give it that oomph that you don't often get in Western media. And I was so excited to see stuff like that in uh, an Avengers movie. Mm. And it 
you know, not only that, but the Avengers movie, the the MCU movie that has done the best and probably will remain that until end game next year, because uh, that's, that's going to set a precedent for these films to have more ambitious, more imaginative fight sequences. And the other superhero movie I want to mention in that same vein is the one I saw last night, which is Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse. God, I want to see it so bad. Um, it's Holy it, shit, it, Spencer. I, you will love it. I know that I'm going to love it. Um, I am going to uh, Memphis for a week, and I am seeing that with Rashad, which is so fucking exciting. Um, because Oh, hey, Rashad. Yeah, Rashad and I are going to be, after we watch this, uh, two for two for some of the fucking best movies. When I am in town, I get to see with him. The last one I saw was The uh, the Nice Guys, which is a fucking fantastic oh, yeah. movie. Um, and I had no idea what was going to happen inside of it. I know it's going to happen in the Spider-Man movie because it's a Spider-Man movie, but I am prepared to like not learn anything else about it until it starts. Um, to distract yeah, you from I'm that, gonna, I'm gonna I'm gonna bring I, up Godzilla that's coming out next year. <laughs> well, I want to just talk about Spider Verse in a non spoilery way, okay. and the reason is it is it's so artistic. Yeah, it is an animated movie, but it is it's drawing animation inspiration not from Disney and Pixar or DreamWorks Animation or whatever. It's drawing it directly out of comic books. And out of street art. Mm-hmm. And it is a an explosion of color and vibrant motion. And it it will it will eschew realism in order to color things in a way that makes them interesting and sort of puts an emotional exclamation point on something or highlights something. And it, it is so good. But even if it were a bad story, if it were told in the same visual style, it would be worth seeing. However, the story is good, too. It's really good, actually. I think it's the best Spider-Man movie that's been made. Mm. And uh, it's definitely, I would say, Homecoming had that honor beforehand. I think this one's better, but it's also way more stylized, so not everybody's going to agree. But... This was another thing. Watching this, it made me think of Akira. It made me think of um, some moments when, uh, like, Gon powers up. Or in Dragon Ball Z, when there are these huge explosions of color and where the we don't have to stick to the model because what we're doing is getting fluid motion for these battle scenes or whatever. Um, or in JoJo's Bizarre Adventure, when they change the color of the characters in the background to make a stylized statement. That's what this movie is. And it's not something that you really see in big budget films with Spider-Man's name on them. It's fucking excellent. If you haven't seen it, it's absolutely worth seeing it. And we're definitely going to have to talk about it once you do see it. Yeah. I'm, I'm very pumped about this. Um, with that being said, because you brought up Akira and I need to talk about this on live air. Um, I had a I had an argument with somebody inside of an anime forum for the first time, and it was about Akira. Um, so I, I just interesting. I just wanted to bring it up to you because I was just like I was so perplexed by it. Uh, so the first thing that the person was talking to me about was like um, they were like, "Oh no, um, I've never seen. Oh, I've I started watching Akira, but I keep on like falling asleep." 
or losing interest within the first like couple of minutes of it because it's so slow. Okay. And my response back to this was just like slow. The first 10 minutes of Akira is literally a fucking motorcycle fight in the future where they're fighting with like they're fighting on motorcycles and then there's a psychic explosion. Like how is that slow? <laughs> like yeah, you know I I don't like Akira as much as most anime fans or people who have seen it. I do like it, but it's it, it's something that I respect more than I directly enjoy mm-hmm. because it's a little headier than I want it to be and stuff like that. So it, if they were like like I had to I, I finally broke down and like looked up essays on like what is the symbolism of this film and stuff like that which is absolutely worth doing if you have not done that and you feel some confusion or uncertainty about what exactly is going on in Akira especially near the end uh look it up there's a lot of good answers on there and um, you can find something that will really give you an anchor to it but like it's a good film and it it has a lot of shit going on that is interesting and holds Mm. your attention like that's surprising. I, you know, if they were like, it's not my cup of tea or it's confusing, I could understand. But uh, if they're just like, oh, it's boring, nothing happens, like that's madness. Yeah. And the other thing that I wanted to point out to this person, because they were like, the, they, the other thing that they brought up, which was annoyed me to no end, was they were like, they were like, um, it's, it's not something like, you know, people that watch Kill Bill wouldn't like this. And I was like, wait a minute. Kill Bill has a lot of slow moments inside of it because it's created by Quentin Tarantino and Quentin Tarantino Uh likes to fuck with time. And so Quentin Tarantino literally has the opening of the second movie spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen Kill Bill, but it it legitimately starts with her trapped inside of a coffin. And then there's a very long sequence where she has to get off a shoe and then break her way through the coffin. It's it's incredibly slow. So I said this back to her. Yeah. I, I said this back to this person, and I was just like, I I don't know if you completely understand what's happening inside of Kill Bill. Um. And then her response was just like, Oh, well, I haven't seen Kill Bill either. And I was just like, What the? Fuck? How can you use this as an argument if you've never seen it before? <laughs> <laughs> Also, Kill Bill has like a 12-minute sequence in anime because Quentin Tarantino takes so much inspiration from it. I know, and one of his biggest inspirations, the way he does color, is taken from yeah. Akira. It's just like... Yeah. Like, Akira it's literally one of the has... the films he brings up when people ask him what made him want to make movies and what inspires him. Yeah, Quentin Tarantino has also been on record as saying that the only person that he thinks can do a live-action adaptation of Akira is either himself or the creator of Akira. So, like... Go fuck yourself if you... Anyways, um, the other thing thing that, like, really set me off about this, too, is that there were a couple of people that were like, I don't get it, buddy, here, it's good. And here's the thing that I I wanted to leave you with with Akira. Akira is not only beautiful and has a beautiful storyline, but it does something with color that was never done before in anime. I brought this up last week inside of, like, the, the fun yeah, fact. Yeah, I saw your post about this. 300 and... I guess I was like, why did he post about Akira? And now I know. Yeah. You were... You were heated. I was incensed. Um, anyways. Um, so, <laughs> there... It, Akira used 327 different colors for their movie. Also, 
30, uh, 30 of which, no, 50 of which they created in animation for the first time for this movie. So like, don't talk about like, you know, the, this is not an artistic piece. These people spent years working on this movie and put blood, sweat, and tears into it. So even if you're like, oh, it's shitty. Yeah, sure. You can say whatever you want about this, like an animation piece. If it looks like somebody didn't spend time and money and like, you know, years of their life inside of it, but at least appreciate the fucking artwork. Like it's, it's the thing where it's like, there's a difference between something being bad and something being not for you. Yeah. Some things are both. Yeah. Akira can be not for you, but it cannot be bad because it is not. It is very well done mm. overall. It, again, it's not as much for me as it is for most anime fans. Like I'll watch it and I'll enjoy it, but it's not totally my cup of tea. Mm-hmm. However, n- even when I wasn't sure about it after the first time I watched it, I still respect it because it is, you can see there's a lot of work. There's a lot of craftsmanship that goes into the creation of it. And it's like, you know, some things are bad. We talked about the Transformers films earlier. That's a good <laughs> example. Those are not, those are not well done. You can like things that are bad, but you know, it's good to, it's good to acknowledge what's good and what's bad about things. And, to separate that from your personal feelings and reactions from those things. All and can, that's really hard. I, and I know we're not always good at that. All I can think about is like they were, Matt Myra did this impression of Mark Wahlberg seeing a transformer inside those movies. And he's like, Oh my God. And it's a transformer. <laughs> <laughs> and all I could think about was just like, I am so happy Mark Wahlberg isn't in this new movie. And also I'm sort of happy that John Cena is inside of it because John Cena, apparently not only is he legitimately nice person, but he also like respects the craft of acting, which I'm like, you, you go former WWF wrestler. And also I think he's a a WWF wrestler or whatever. I believe so. Yeah. Yeah, but he's been in... I, he was in Blockers, which I have not seen, but have heard is very good. Yeah. And I know I know him from um, from the... Oh, that movie. This is a great section. You know that one? Right here. You know that one? That uh-huh. movie? I know him from that one. Yeah. It's like that John Mulaney joke uh, where he's like, he's like, yeah, you don't know what it's going to happen. And then the thing just happens. And he's like, yeah, that's what happens every time with anything. You never know something's going to happen, and then it just happens. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's how all of life works. Um, oh, John Mulaney as Spider-Ham and uh, Into the Spider-Verse get, is a delight. Do not give me but anything. But unfortunately, he never says the word street smarts. <laughs> and I was very disappointed by that. But I said it a lot when he was on street smarts. So okay. <laughs> street smarts! <laughs> He doesn't. He doesn't want you to not get kidnapped. He wants you to g- almost get kidnapped and then escape with some kind of backroom Chicago-style martial arts. <laughs> Anyways, we've gone completely off the train. Uh, uh, to bring us back, let's talk wa- about an anime, um, anime slash old B movie slash new awesome looking movie mash 'em up, which yes. is going to be the new Godzilla movie. Oh, it looks so good. When I saw Mothra, I was like, whoop! <laughs> yeah, I lo- I really liked the new Godzilla with Kick-Ass as the star. Oh, yeah. From 
a couple of years ago. I know a lot of people did not. And I was always very mystified by the reasons that they didn't. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of it was like that they didn't, that they wanted the story to be more about the monsters fighting and more from that perspective. But I know that the filmmakers, they wanted to make it about the monsters fighting from the perspective of the people that were nearby. And that added, you know, tension and it added danger and it added perspective to those, um, those sequences. And I loved that and it totally worked on me. And it was generally well received and it did well. So I don't know if that's just like a vocal minority of people that didn't like those things, but I loved it. And it looks like this new film is going to double down on that. And it, the trailer is visually stunning. Yeah, it looks fucking awesome. I am I am super pumped about it in a way that I have never been for a Godzilla movie. Um, I yeah, it looks awesome. Yeah, yeah. I've, they also they they have basically tied that universe with the new King Kong Skull Island movie, which was um, not as good, but which was pretty fun and pretty decent. Um, and I'm into that. Like, uh, I could do some King Kong in there and, uh, I think they would be able to fit him in fairly effortlessly with the way it looks like they're setting that up for that movie. I think he would get murdered. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. He can't shoot any lasers from his mouth. (laughs) There's, I don't think it's in the first trailer, but they recently released a trailer number two for that movie, which I did watch because I'm stoked about it. And you definitely see King Ghidorah and it looks so cool. Yeah, man. And I mean, this is totally relevant to what we're covering here because that's a Japanese property and has come from a large, um, like the, the bombs being dropped on was it Hiroshima and Nagasaki? Yeah. Were those the two places that yeah. got hit? Those have a huge influence on Japanese culture and on Japanese art. You see giant fucking city destroying explosions in Japanese stuff. Godzilla is a a bomb metaphor, at least originally. You see that kind of an explosion in Akira. You see it all over the place. And it has influenced so much Japanese media, including a lot of the anime that we cover. And it has also then spawned things like Godzilla that they themselves become the influence for new stuff. So a lot of Kaiju and I would argue a lot of giant robot stuff comes at least partially owing its uh, Genesis to Godzilla. Yeah. Cool. Um, with that being said, um, I think that's out of the things that I'm super, super stoked for in the new year. Um, I kind of want to go over yeah. what we did in this past year. Um, yeah, because it's going to take us eight hours. No, it's not going to take <laughs> us that long. Um, and I have, like, you know, limited time, so let's do this. <laughs> Damn. Anyways. Uh, yeah, so we covered a lot of stuff. This year. And specifically what we're going to do is we're going to cover what we talked about this year in anime. So if you're looking for what we talked about last year, you can go to listen to last year's end of the year special or all of the episodes that preceded it. This year, we're going to pick up in the middle of some series that we had already been watching. And then we'll talk about the other series that we picked up on the way. Yeah. Um, Spencer, why don't you kick it off? Okay. So first and foremost, we covered a lot of Naruto. 
Um, we've been covering a lot of Naruto for a really long time. Um, but the the biggest thing that I wanted to go over inside of here is that like we got through the first arc and through the second arc, I think like technically it's got like a, a touch left of it, like a little bit of denouement. Um, but the, the second, uh, the second arc of Naruto is almost completely done, which is the tuning exam. Um, so it's, it's fine. It gave us some of our, our first really good fights inside of Naruto that weren't just the bridge fight. Um, because I think that that's, that might be the only really, really good fight inside of the first arc. Um, but we did get to, uh, get introduced to our our villain that is going to remain a villain for a very, very long time, which is Orochimaru. Um, and we also got to the, uh, the fight between one of the best villains in the show, which is going to be Gara, um, and Naruto for the first time where we got our like first giant monster fight, which is going to be, um, not so much the trend inside of original Naruto, but it definitely gets more and more prevalent inside of Naruto Shippuden. Yeah, and that's a little bit of a for better or worse kind of thing. Mm-hmm. But uh, for now, it's definitely for better. Yeah, finally. Anyways. We also get a big, sort of an end of an era and a huge moment I remember from the first time I watched it, which is while Gara is fighting uh, Naruto and the village comes under siege and you're like, what's happening? Like, they're literally being invaded it's kind of a big deal, but Orochimaru also faces off against his old mentor, the Hokage, whose name is Saratobi. As you remember, the Hokage is essentially the ninja president, and the Hokage ends up dying at the end of this. Mm-hmm. That is going to have major repercussions in the next story area of Naruto, and... um It sets up a pretty good precedent for Naruto, which is that sometimes characters will die. Yep. Um, you definitely don't have the Game of Thrones effect where sometimes everyone will die always. Yeah. But uh, you get a little bit more tension into the fights because now they're for real. Like, we, yeah, Zabuza and Haku both died in the first arc. But they were villains that were introduced for that arc. And while they were good characters and they were lovable and their deaths had meaning, this is one of the protagonists... And he's also a very powerful protagonist. And it's a statement that he dies. And it will not be the last death. They aren't super frequent, but they do happen. And they um, they can carry some gravitas. And the fact that it's occurred to one of the big protagonists is able to really up the tension of the series, I think. Yeah. Next, we're going to go into a show that is uh, much less coherent and much more batshit dumbass crazy. Um, it's always hard to talk about this because I know that the people who suggested it to us probably really love us. Yeah. Love it. And that it all, it's, it makes me think of when we're talking about Akira where it's like, it's not, it's not nearly as good as Akira, but it does have a lot of merit to it. Mm -hmm. And I, you know, we always, we often will bring that up when we're complaining about it, but, uh, it's not nearly as good and it has many more, many, much more glaring flaws. Yeah. 
So let's go uh, into the first uh, the first part of it, uh, which is going to be Phantom Blood Part One of this JoJo's, is Bizarre, JoJo's Adventure. Bizarre Adventure. Yeah, so it's going to be uh, it's going to start out in a way that you're going to be super excited about, and it's going to go kind of crazy after uh-huh. the off the rails. Um, yeah, we learn about part one is nine episodes, and the first three episodes are dope as fuck. Yep, you should absolutely watch them. And after that, it takes a hard right turn where the narrative doesn't carry as much weight. Things get set up and then not followed through on or brought up out of nowhere just for because. Mm-hmm. Uh, and the tone kind of shifts, but the first three episodes are so good. Yeah. So the first things that we're going we're gonna to learn from this world, if you haven't listened to our episodes, um, and one of the things that you should really take away from JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is that they do not treat women correctly. Um, this world yeah. is full of misogynistic assholes that are gigantic and treat women like shit. Um, it yeah. is, uh, a very frustrating thing to cover. And one of the reasons that Blake and I have been back and forth about continuing with the show, um, we understand that it is permeated into a lot of different people's anime psyche. Um, so they take it with a lot of gravitas and they want to talk about it all the time and about how you need to watch this show because it's a really important piece of anime that's come out. And I'm like, yeah, but getting past a lot of that stuff is really difficult. Um, yeah, it, it is. They are, you're absolutely correct. It is super important. It is foundational in ways similar to Naruto or even Dragon Ball Z. Lots of anime have been inspired by it and have pulled from it. And it's just hard to watch sometimes. And a lot of that comes from that mistreatment of women, which you could argue is very period appropriate because this is set, you know, in the 1800s, the early 1900s. And I mean, women don't, always get an easy time of it or an equal time of it nowadays either Mm -hmm. but uh you know it it has gotten better and so you know the further back in time you get the more likely it is you're going to meet up with casual misogyny and it's not going to be out of place but uh, it kind of reads as a little bit of the writing rather than trying to be accurate to the time period and yeah there's also an issue with the writing. The writing's all over the place yeah. in all of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventures, not just part one. Yeah, so part one is definitely the most interesting one that we've watched so far, in my opinion. Uh, part two is... I think I agree with you. ...is going to be Battle Tendency. Um, that's going to involve the yeah. Pillarmen, uh, which, um, if you don't know, the Pillarmen are a, a staple inside of um, uh, anime gay culture where they are... Uh, big, <laughs> big giant men that uh, do a lot of posing. Um, and ah, uh, yes, Spencer, the connoisseur of anime gay culture. <laughs> it's mostly like I look for memes daily um, on on shows, and I look for JoJo's Bizarre Adventure ones. You know, every month, at least once a month, and you have uh-huh. to go down a dark Google search rabbit hole sometimes. Um, that is. Uh, full of pillar men. Um, <laughs> is that a metaphor or what are, what are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So the pillar men, they're like uh, ancient beings that have basically all of the powers of the vampires in part one, except maybe a little bit extra and also are later revealed to have been the people who created the stone masks that creates the vampires um, but it's kind of, for the most part, a rehash of the stuff from part one, as far as the villain abilities. 
What I liked about part two is that they started to introduce more variety and more depth in the powers that the characters had. So they started to do more different things instead of different versions of the same thing. Yeah. And that is really, it's, you know, accepting foundational anime like Dragon Ball Z, where everybody pretty much just shoots different versions of the same energy beam. Um, It's what I like. It's why Naruto, One Piece, and Bleach are so exciting, because when you get to a fight, somebody has a really cool, unique power, and you get to learn about it, and you get to see how they apply it, and it feels creative and exciting and like a discovery. And I love that. And they start to really put that into part two in a way that part one really does not have. Yeah. Um, and then it's kind of over. I don't really remember much. I mean, it, it, there's a chariot race and it kind of, it, it, it comes to a close. And that's one, one thing that I do like about Jojo's Bizarre Adventure is it's an anthology series, and this is the first part to set that up, which is that the the protagonist of this one is the grandson of the protagonist of the first one. Yeah, the last one that we're going to cover um, really quickly is the one that we're currently in the middle of, uh, slogging Almost through at it, the end of. Uh, which is Star just <laughs> Stardust Crusaders, um, which introduces a completely new system of like magic and fighting. Uh, which is these a vastly improved system. Yeah, so it's going to be this thing about stands, and the stands have different dumbass names that are attached to different dumbass tarot cards for no fucking reason. Uh-huh. Um, these characters know I, all I about think, it. For... I saw something about like part five the other day, and I think that each season has a different theme that names the stands. Is the impression that I've gotten without investigating too far? Right, I'm excited. So not really. <laughs> Yeah, you were you really sold that excitement. You should be a you should be a voice actor on a poorly done anime adaptation. Yeah. Anyways, this one is all about um, how uh, how far we can get with this dumbass costume that JoJo's gonna wear when he's gonna go all across the entire fucking uh, East and Middle Eastern countries and shit all over their cultures yeah. as, along the way. <laughs> There is a sense of globe trotting about each of the JoJo's Bizarre Adventures. They often will start in one place and end up in another. And they, I think, are kind of going for an exotic locale sort of feel. Um, and this one is the one that takes that the furthest, where the the plot is literally a road trip. And um, the stands are interesting. They have that anime thing where everybody has a new power and you have to learn about it as you go. And I like that. Um, I will say that it it still has too much for mine and Spencer's tastes of that JoJo's Bizarre Adventure insanity. Yep. I know that's what a lot of people like about it is they like anime is already melodrama. It is very heightened from the perspective of most Western shows. It's way higher than that. And JoJo's Bizarre Adventure makes them all look like thoughtful, realistic ruminations mm. because it is off of the fucking wall and it's just a little too much for us and then there's there are episodes like the stupid fucking car episode that we talked about i think in the most recent one that are just not good and i'm gonna say again i understand we talked a lot about akira earlier and about separating out things that are good from things that are not for you Mm -hmm. and i would say that jojo's bizarre adventure is good sometimes and is genuinely bad sometimes and we've kind of gone through 
the reasons that we think about that at the time. So if you're a fan, you know, sorry that we disagree with you. And also there's nothing wrong with liking it or really fucking liking it. Mm. That's totally chill. Um, We're kind of powering through it instead of enjoying it, unfortunately. And I really hope that the finale of Stardust Crusaders turns that around because I'm, I always am looking forward to it and often am disappointed and I'm back in the looking forward to it phase and I'm nervous. Yeah. Um, so with that being said, uh, we have a couple of, uh, shows that we are continuing on. Um, uh, the next one we're going to go into is going to be Hunter Hunter. Um, I swear to God, I want to say the X. Um, but I got yelled at (laughs) for like, 15 comments from these people on the Hunter Hunter, the Hunter, fuck it, Hunter x Hunter Reddit, where, like, I I posted, like, our first episode covering it, and one of the people was just like, this is all the reasons that you're wrong for doing it, and I was just like, fuck you, man, I can do what I want. Um, Look, the, okay, so I don't know, the only place that I've ever heard it said out loud, not between people talking about it, is on Toonami. And they call it Hunter Hunter, but like I don't know that there's any specific. Like I don't know if that the creator has said that the X is silent. I totally can see why it might be because I know the X's in the episode titles are silent unless Spencer is reading them, and I love that bit, and it will continue to happen. Yeah, I, but I don't think like, I yeah, can stop I, myself from doing it at this point. I've learned I, it, it's a learned habit. <laughs> I've done it too many times. Yeah, but the. The show was introduced as Hunter x Hunter to me, and I don't see any reason why the X isn't there. It's prominently displayed in the title of the series, mm-hmm. and so there's not like a there's not a built in reason why it has to be silent. So I can understand if you want to make the argument that it is silent or should be silent. I am a very strong believer that it's GIF and not GIF, and I will argue with you about it, but. Uh, you know, don't hate us. Yeah. Anyways. Also, we only say the name of the show like once or twice an episode. Yeah. Anyways. So if you don't like it when we say the X, just skip 30 <laughs> seconds in and listen to the rest of it. Damn. Yeah. So. All right. What happened on Hunter Hunter? Well, what happens on Hunter X Hunter from this past year? Um, is that... <laughs> no, stay listen. Listen more. <laughs> Anyways, um, so uh, what happens through this past year is a lot of shit. Um, we are going to have our first big giant yes, uh, Fallout fucking fight uh, between uh, Killua and the spiders. Um, it is not Killua, but fucking uh, Kirapika. Kirapika. Um, whoa, whoa, and the spiders. Did you forget the entire Heaven's Arena arc? Oh, yeah. I, I, I blocked it out of my memory because I just assumed it happened last year. Um No, so it's good. That happened. We're going to start off with Gon doing a little vacation to go find Killua and tell him that they're best friends and Killua should stay in the show. Mm -hmm. He is successful. And then Killua and Gon say goodbye to the other main characters up to that point and go have Heaven's Arena. Heaven's Arena is a big skyscraper that's all about fighting. Mm -hmm. And so it's a good arc if you are into action anime where there are lots of fights because it's one of the most fight heavy arcs. It also is the arc that introduces Nen, which is Hunter x Hunter's version of the magic powers that you see in anime. And um, while our protagonists just get to the tip of the the iceberg of that, you do meet a couple of characters who have some really cool Nen abilities. 
and there are a lot of really, really good fights. Yeah, uh, particularly so absolutely worth watching, but not huge as far as story goes, aside from the introduction of Ned. Yeah, um, there's also um, a fight inside of there that is arguably one of the best animated fights that has ever been, um, which is going to be the fight with the Gon Hisoka. Yeah, so the original Gon Hisoka yeah. fight is astounding. With that it's being so said, I don't know if it's covered in the new AMV that's out. Um, where there is, uh, this is a actual spoiler alert. I know we say this a lot, um, but if you want to go inside of the manga and you felt like you were cheated by the fight not happening between Hisoka and the leader of the spiders, that shit happens in the manga. And it's for real fucking amazing. <laughs> I have been reading the manga it- all the way. The new chapters are out. It's up to like 388. Um, it's animated by the original animator, um, or the original, uh, manga artist. It is great. Um, they have introduced a entirely new Nin ability that is inside of it. Um, if you read manga, get the fuck on reading the new Hunter Hunter, or Hunter x Hunter manga. It is great. Um. Call it whatever you want, but just listen to our show about it. Yeah. Watch the show and read the, the, read the manga. Yeah. Damn. The manga is fan... We're all friends here. Fuck. Yeah. The the new manga chapters are so fucking good, um, and I, I did not expect to enjoy it as much as I have, um, but y- you should you should absolutely get on that shit. With that being said, um, the rest of the stuff that we covered this year, um, we we covered the fight between Kirapika and the Spiders. Uh, we covered the end of the gambling arc. Um, I don't know what else to name it. Um, where they're try the auction arc or whatever. Uh, what York New City arc? <laughs> well, it's the I think it's the Phantom Troop arc because there's they're in York New City and there's the the like auction for the mafia or whatever, but you know, that's what it is. Yeah. It's the phantom troop arc. Yeah. Um, but the last arc that we're inside of is, uh, arguably, um, the best, the best arc that doesn't jump the shark, um, which is going to be, uh, the, um, God, why can't I think of the what island? Greed Island. The Greed Island. The Greed Island arc, which we're currently inside of. Um, I love this arc. I know that Blake is obsessed with this arc and wants this video game to exist. It's the best one from my perspective. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's, it's so great. good. It it's where the Nen abilities really start to shine, and uh, it's a little bit more of like an action adventure, a little bit less of the. Um, talking around the action adventure, which Hunter x Hunter does very well, but does a little too often for my personal tastes. Mm-hmm. I We've talked about this a lot in the past, but I feel that Hunter x Hunter often will build up anticipation to a fight that then never comes. Yeah. And uh, Greed Island if, is largely an exception to that, and it pretty much plays out how you want it to in a way that's very satisfying. Mm-hmm. Um, we're in the middle of it, so we can't really talk about what happens, even though both of us know. Mm-hmm. But uh, basically, what's gotten you up to this point is that there's this game called Greed Island that Gon's dad helped create. Gon is playing it. He went to go play it because he wanted to find clues about his dad. When he got there, his dad basically had left a message that there were no clues there, but that he had made this thing and wanted his kid to see it. And so they're kind of seeing it through to the end. 
and um, getting significantly stronger in doing so. And we're kind of uh, somewhere at the halfway point. We've basically finished the all of the story setup part of Greed Island and all of the training to get stronger part of Greed Island. And we are heading into the payoff. So if you are a hunter-hunter holdout, uh, it might be a good time to set aside your convictions Grit, you know, grit your teeth when we say the X out loud and listen to our coverage of the end of the Great Island Dark because it's all going to be real good shit. Yeah, um, that is the end of Hunter X Hunter that we're going over so far. Um, the other shows that we have said we should just start calling it Hunter Hunter X Hunter. Yeah, the other shows. Um... Everybody's happy and nobody's <laughs> happy. The the next shows are our in memoriam uh, shows that we have lost this year. Um, the first one is going to be, uh, Cow- play the Oscar music, please. <laughs> please, Rashad. Um, anyways, um, <laughs> so, uh, we lost Cowboy Bebop this year. Um, in a sense, we also got the child of Cowboy Bebop announced this year, um, which is a live action adaptation that, Ca- uh, that Netflix is going to be doing. I hope it doesn't suck. Everybody cross your fingers. Yeah. Um, we are cautiously optimistic about that. Yeah. So, um, Cowboy Bebop um, is one of the best animated shows that has ever been. Um, most people will tell you if you're like, hey, do you like anime? And they're like, yes, I've only seen a couple of shows they will usually have seen Cowboy Bebop. Um, The biggest reasoning behind that... It is and should be near the top of pretty much every best anime list. Yes. It is astounding and uh, one of the reasons why I started watching anime in the first place. Um, What we learned about it this year, if... uh, I'm going to throw a spoiler alert at the beginning of this, but our show is basically a giant spoiler, so you should be aware of this by now. Yeah. If you've gotten this far, I mean... Yeah. Anyways... Um, so, uh, we get to the very end of Cowboy Bebop where Spike Spiegel dies. Um, it is a beautiful moment. Um, I listened back to our coverage of it before, uh, talking about this today, and I just heard us both getting choked up, and that's how good this show is. It's one of those shows it's that, so like, good. affects you on a visceral level. Um, you, you can't get away from the show. It is a perfect blend of beautiful, uh, a beautiful animation, beautiful action sequence, amazing writing, and the most superb music that you will get inside of anime, other than the show that we're yeah. going to be talking about here in a second as well. It is also, um, a lot of anime is good, but it's not going to be for most people. Mm-hmm. Even anime that are particularly good, like Full Metal Alchemist still have a lot of genre trappings and a lot of anime tropes that are going to turn off people that aren't already um, used to or in favor of those kinds of things. Mm -hmm. Cowboy Bebop, it does have that sometimes, but that's partly because a lot of its episodes are playing in a genre for just that episode. Mm -hmm. It is all. It's a lot of, like, if you want a funny show, Cowboy Bebop has some humor scattered about, like pretty much every show does, but there are some episodes that are pure comedy. And there's at least one episode that's a a riff on horror films, and there's some Western stuff and space opera stuff, and it's got a little bit of a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Um, But like we say for most things, it's not for everybody, except for Cowboy Bebop. Cowboy Bebop is for most people. Yeah. 
sure, everything is not for everybody, but Cowboy Bebop is generically good and is particularly good. Mm. And unless you are weirdly unable to look past something being animated, which it wouldn't make sense in the first place, uh, you're probably going to enjoy at least most of it. And uh, also it's some of the best animation that there is. Mm -hmm. It's a great show and absolutely worth watching. Yep. Um, Let's go now into the realm of our memoriam, which uh, is covering the weirdest fucking show of the year. I know JoJo's Bizarre Adventure says in its name that it is a bizarre adventure, but fuck that. And it's accurate. Fully Cooly (laughs) is the weirdest, best weird show that I have ever watched, and I am so fucking stoked for watching the new seasons, but I am holding myself back still. Um, I recently... Yeah, we're probably going to watch it on this show. Yeah, I recently, like, dropped into the Fully Cooly, um, uh, uh, like chat board inside of reddit like the subreddit for it um and i was just like hey maybe listen to some of our old coverage of it and they not only were super receptive into that but they also all talked to me really openly about like what they felt about the original show this one guy wrote me this really personal message about like uh fully coolly was one of those shows that he was uh figuring out um his he was figuring out his relationship with his own body, his father, and being trans- transgender while learning that he loved anime and started watching Fully Cooly. And he was like, a lot of this stuff makes sense to me, and it actually yeah. like helped with his transition. And I am just... That's awesome. I am just flabbergasted to hear, not only to hear about that, but to hear that a show that is just like... The most overt, weird, like, um, uh, I don't know. This show is an allegory for... Uh, yeah, for... Fully Cooly is almost less of a show and more of an experiment. Yeah. It is... It's a lot of stuff happens because they want to try something new or because they want to make a statement about a metaphor yeah. rather than because they're trying to advance a narrative. And that's actually what I don't like about it is that I want a little bit more of a narrative and I want a little bit more cohesion and you're not going to get that with this show. Yeah. And but if you want wild visuals and exciting emotions and uh vivid metaphors, this is a good show for that. Oh yeah, and it's also it it's one of those things where it's just like I I don't have that sort of experience with Fully Cooly. I was I was picking it up and taking it from like a very like um, you know, I I broke it down like uh, trying to understand it like I was trying to pull apart a yeah. really complex novel. Um, but to hear uh-huh. to hear somebody that was just like, you know, I was trying to figure out that I identified as male and I was watching this young boy going through uh, figuring out how to be a man inside of anime. It's just like, yeah. whoa. like That's so, that's honestly so touching. Like, please, like, direct me to that message because I would love to read yeah. that because I had not seen that or heard that from you yet. And that's, that's really beautiful. I mean, that's, you know, that's what you get with art is you get to speak to somebody and sometimes you speak to them in a really deeply personal way that they need in that moment. Yeah. And that's, you know, you can listen to our coverage of Fully Cooly. I believe we did it in only two episodes mm-hmm. and you'll hear us talk about a lot of the metaphors. We'll talk about a lot of the things we like and a lot of things we don't. And 
you know, I like it less than Spencer. I think we both enjoyed it and we both appreciate it. And I think Spencer actively likes it and I kind of passively like Mm -hmm. it. But it's awesome to hear that, you know, it can be this like shining beacon of change and self-revelation for some people. Because it really is. It's all about that metaphor. It's all about those feelings of growing up, of not being sure of yourself, of puberty. And uh, I didn't watch it during that time period. And I watched it to have a cool story with some sweet action scenes. And it had sort of a cool story, but it's kind of hidden behind a lot of confusion and insanity and zaniness and metaphor. And it had some good action scenes, but not enough for my tastes. And I was like, uh, it's fine. Yeah. And then I really enjoyed rewatching it and I appreciated it more. And you have that and liked it a little bit more. And, uh, yeah, you have that that's dope awesome. ass fucking bass riff. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the pillows did all the music and the music is great. Yep. Anyways, um, going from that uh, to our best show of the year that we did not expect in memoriam, uh, Dimension yeah, W. The big surprise slash sleeper hit of the year. Fucking awesome show. Uh, Dimension W yeah. is is a show that does uh, it does way less fan service uh, than a lot of the other shows that we're covering right now, which I really appreciate. Thank God. But the, uh, yes. the other thing about it is that it does a really cool take on the future, how people are reacting to the yeah. future and why they are reacting to the future the way that they are. So dimension W is all about them. Uh, like the people of earth have gained this ability of a renewable energy source that will last forever by pulling energy from um, the, this different universe or this different dimension called dimension W by pulling probability out of it. Basically, like skimming the yeah. probabilities, and they gain energy. Yeah, from it. it's the idea that every choice could have gone a thousand other ways, and each of those thousand other ways has its own energy. And Dimension W is the swirling vortex of that energy, and we are skimming off the top of that so that we can power our lives. Yes, yeah. it's a great sci-fi concept. So, not only was this really like a very a very cool spin, but the other thing that I learned about it as well um, is that uh, not only did uh, Dimension W inspire a lot of random things that are have been created, um, but one of the creators of the show was in, uh, inspired in part by Neon Genesis Evangelion, which um, was it. It also inspired uh, the show Travelers, which is on Netflix at the same time. Um, not Dimension W, but Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, and I watched this like 25 minute long uh, video yesterday um, about like why this show is good and why the ending of Travelers. No, Neon Genesis Evangelion. Um, why oh. it is so good and why it changed the way that people um, built out their future inside of the anime universe. And I didn't even think about it until I started diving back into dimension W, but like they could have never written a character like Mabushi inside of anime before the character of Shinji existed inside of anime because, Oh, like he was like the first aloof protagonist or like damaged protagonist or something. Yeah. And like, like mainstream popularity. Yeah. And it's, it's amazing to find out that like, the reason why Mabushi is so interesting is that 
he's not aloof as much as he is a completely damaged person who has trouble yeah. making it through the day because he is so depressed. He's like, yeah, he's moved because he thinks he needs to keep on going for somebody else's memory so that he can't die until he makes it okay with his dead wife. Like, oh my God. Like that, that yeah. character is it's... moving. The other thing about Dimension W that's so interesting is that it's 12 episodes. Yeah. And it tells a tight but surprisingly spanning story. It gets you invested in these characters. It gives you a lot of emotional beats that hit really well. You get a lot of beautiful animation. And especially, as you know, Spencer and I love action sequences. And there are some really kick-ass fights in this that look great. It's got a good story, and I know Spencer was a little less taken with the ending than I was, mm. but it wraps up in a really satisfying way. It's a great it show. Too it's fast. 12 episodes, <laughs> so it's fairly bite-sized. Like, you'll probably like this if you like a little bit of high-concept sci-fi, if you like a little bit of good animation, a little bit of good fights. This is a great show. Yeah. And, I mean, we pretty much gushed about it every time, and it, it earned it. It was really excellent. Yeah. Um, the last show that uh, also Evangelion, I want to just throw out a reminder that that's coming to Netflix. And I saw a couple of articles about people that are like anime fans saying that the fact that Evangelion coming to Netflix is a bad thing for anime in general. And I don't get it. I kind of skimmed one of those articles and it didn't make sense to me. Evangelion coming to Netflix seems like a good thing to me. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Feel free to discuss that with us because I'm curious to hear your thoughts as uh, anime podcast listeners. Yeah, you will also therefore presumably into anime. You will also never convince me that Neon Genesis Evangelion is um, imperfect in any way. Um, it is uh, also it being available. I don't like they. It seems like the argument was essentially that making it available was like making it hard for new anime to find a foothold or whatever. Like the fact that it's available to watch in a legal way is good. Oh yeah. It's good for us. We can watch it legally. It's good for the creators. They can get some money off of it, even though it's like fucking 20 years old or something. Yeah. Like it's great for the podcast. Cause that means it'll be easier for us to cover it. If we so choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, if you are a detractor or if you have information on what the argument of the detractors is, I'd love to hear from you because I think that could be an interesting discussion that we could have a, a little friendly debate about, uh, what's good and what's bad about it coming to Netflix. And I want to learn more about it. And I'd kind of rather hear it from people who, uh, have opinions directly formed rather than from like an article. Yeah. And also whatever, that was a digression. Yeah. Also, if you didn't like the original Ava, uh, here's the thing. Ava 2.0 is almost completely different in a, also a really fantastic different way. Um, you could totally watch it there. Or if you want it, the uh, movie series, uh, it's, it's kind of like a AMV series. You, you should check it out. Um, yeah. I watched the first two of those, I believe. Yeah. And then, if you want a completely different telling of Ava, Ava 3.0 comes out in 2019. Like, that's a yeah. thing that and is my coming understanding out. Is that, my understanding is that all of those, at least the ones that are currently out, are coming to Netflix. Like, unless I misread the article that was announcing that, my understanding is that it's not just Neon Genesis Evangelion. It is all of the shows, all of the movies that have been created officially by the Neon Genesis team mm-hmm. are going to be made available. Yep. So you can 
You can test the waters and see which one works for you or watch all of them and see what's different about them. Yeah. And and it, that's going to be available. I'm excited about it. Yeah. And if, you, if you're one of those people that's just like, I don't get it. Um, one of the things that I would tell you to check out um, is uh, just read an article, not about the show at all. Read uh, any any like good anime article about the creator of the show, and you will understand why the show is the way that it is. The creator, yeah, and I I want to cover it. I think that Neon Genesis Evangelion deserves a place among Cowboy Bebop as a sort of necessary anime. Yeah. So I want to put it on our show sooner rather than later. So we'll we can dig deep into that. Yeah when we inevitably cover it but yeah feel free to give him an overview yeah he 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 deals with his own depression in a way that had never been done inside of animation before he talks about what it is to be depressed and what it is to write a character that is not only fighting against his own urges from puberty but also fighting with his own urges and sense of loss with his mother and his own fucking loss of his alive father who doesn't accept him. It is a beautiful piece of art. You should check it out even if you don't like anime a lot. I I know that we randomly will get people that just kind of stumble upon uh, this, and they're like, I don't really like anime. Um, This is one of those ones that, like, you'll like it if you like good story and beautiful, like, basically, like, pictures come to life. It is a great show. But like start with Cowboy Bebop. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Anyways, so the Yeah, it's yeah. I love I also love that we have listeners that are not anime fans already. Like most of you probably are, mm-hmm. but if you're not, uh, I don't want to make you feel unwelcome by mentioning only anime fans cuz uh, like reaching people that have an interest in anime but have never been able to find a ho- a foothold in it was one of the reasons we started this show. So if you're not an anime fan and you're listening, like good with, that's why we're here. Yep. The last show that we're going to cover instead of our recap is soul eater. Um, I don't really want to cover it here because like just fucking yeah, listen to our last episode. Li- um, yeah, I just wanted to mention it cause it did technically happen in this year's coverage. The other technical occurrence was Ninja scroll, which is not a show, but is a movie. Yep. We're also not going to talk about that because it's one episode's worth of content. Yep. And it's also a cool-ass crossover with a cool-ass podcast called Childhood Remastered. We are doing another mashup so, with Childhood Remastered in 2019. Uh, so if you like this... I'm it, so excited. I've been listening to a lot of their stuff. And they're really fun guys. And they put out a good show. Yeah, fucking great It's show. totally worth listening to. It's, it's really similar to our content. Although they don't cover an entire show. They just kind of... They dig in for a couple of weeks in a single show at a time mm-hmm. and don't necessarily finish it. And that said, they are really fucking fun and it's really fun to listen to their stuff. And I'm so excited to do some more stuff with them. Yeah. So with that being said, uh, <laughs> we have a couple of, uh, a couple of last things to go over before we're done. Uh, the first one is going to be the year in anime that was, um, so if we wanted to just kind of run down this list really quickly, um, w- well, this was, this is last year's list too. So just, if you want to pick out stuff, we can, but we also kind of covered this at the top of the show. Yeah. I, I would say that, um, my big takeaways from this year is that, uh, this was the year that anime fucking broke through to the United States with my hero academia in a way that I don't think has happened since Dragon Ball Z. Um, 
I I would say Naruto, Bleach. I think those hit, but I think it kind of comes and goes. Mm-hmm. And I think Dragon Ball Z, and then it sort of faded a little bit, except for like diehard fans. And then you got the big three with Naruto, Bleach, and uh, One Punch Man, or One Jesus, <laughs> One Piece. And then it had a little bit of a resurgence with Attack on Titan, which had a little bit of a zeitgeist moment. Mm-hmm. But uh, I think My Hero Academia has really hit in a way that we haven't seen in a while. Yeah. Uh, which is exciting because it's a great show. I, you know, you, you're probably not a detractor of my hero academia, but I know there are some people who don't like it, but if you have not gotten on the, my hero academia train, it's a train worth writing. It's a genuinely good show. It has genuinely good writing, good characters. The plot is interesting. There have been moments when I have literally been like holding my hands over my mouth for an entire episode out of like fearful tension and concern for the characters on the screen. It has bitchin action and really cool powers. It is the, like, it is the shonen anime full package as far as I'm concerned. Mm-hmm. The other, uh, the other show that I wanted to, to go over um, real quick this year that had the biggest impact on, uh, on me personally um, was uh, seven deadly sins season two came out Um I love this show. Um, it it has literally one gigantic glaring flaw that's inside of it that it it has too much fan service inside of it for most people. Um, but I have missed this show, um, and I did not know that I that it was going to like frustrate me so much when I got to the end of the first season. When I got to the end of it, I was like chomping at the bit for season two. I finished season two in literally a day, and now I'm just like, fuck, I have an entire I don't know how long until season three comes out. <laughs> yeah, because season two was a long time coming. They did a pretend season two that was actually just like six episodes of basically filler oh, yay. <laughs> that came out like a year after season one, and then it's been like a year and a half since then. Yeah. It's been a long wait. Um, cool. Do you want to move into the ranking? Yeah. So we're gonna do something new so, at the end of this year. Um. So we- yeah, this is. Uh, I'm gonna give a shout out to uh, Battle of the Atom, which is an X Men podcast. Um. Uh, that's where I kind of got the idea. You guys are probably not listening, but if you are, thanks for listening and thanks for the inspiration for ranking. Yep. So um, we're gonna start from the. What do you want to do? Do you want to? Talk about them from the bottom up. Yeah, absolutely. I did not. I wrote these in order of appearance, not in my proposed order. Oh, absolutely not. I understand that. By the bottom Um, of the list. So I'm going to throw. What do you think should go at the bottom? So, okay. So what we're doing (laughs) here is we want to make a ranking of all the anime that we've covered so far. Mm. We will rank anime that we are currently covering and we will do our best to rank it only as it relates to the, the content that we have watched so far. Um, and we're going to be putting the, this is obviously going to be a little bit of a subjective list, but, uh, we're going to be putting these in a, a best to worst list. And we'll talk starting with the worst and moving up to the best of our coverage. Okay. So I'm going to throw at the very bottom of the list, a show that is not going to surprise, uh, much of anybody. Uh, I'm throwing Jojo's Bizarre Adventure to the fucking bare fucking bones bottom of this list. Um, Okay. 
So I agree with you, but I think we should rank the parts separately. Okay. Because they are distinct, and you could watch the individual parts without watching the other yeah. ones. Yeah, so the the and worst, in my opinion, by far, is going to be Battle Tendency, which is part two. Me too! Uh, it's not Yeah, good. It, I do think it improves in part on part one in some ways, like I mentioned earlier, but I think the story overall is the worst of the three so far. Yeah. Um, then I'm going to put I would say part one. next up yeah next up is part one which I would say has the best JoJo's Bizarre Adventure that we've seen so far in the first three episodes but then takes such a hard swerve that it those three episodes can't save the the other six yeah. then part three I would put uh, slightly above that and only because I appreciate the stand system the stand system yeah. is the coolest part of the show so far um, it also seems to be, to me, when I hear people talk about why JoJo's Bizarre Adventure is so influential on anime, it seems like the stands are one of the big reasons why. Mm-hmm. And so having them push it up the list, even if it didn't deserve to be, which I think it does, mm-hmm. um, I think that those are, uh, those are worthy uh, inclusions. Now, now that we've covered that, I have no idea how the fuck we're going to break down the rest of this okay, list. I'm going to throw it out the next one. And, uh, if, if, uh, we can just, we're, we're going to have, uh, Blake's list and then we're going to have Spencer's list and where we meet up, we can go over that. So, uh, Spencer's list. The next one on the list is going to be absolutely Naruto next. Um, I appreciate Naruto. Up to this point, it has uh-huh. not gotten to where Naruto gets good to me, um, and that is kind of a bummer. Um, rewatching it, um, yeah, I think that the other shows, in my opinion, are um, higher caliber or much more important to anime as a whole. Um, and that being said, we haven't gotten to the best of Naruto yet, but where we are right now, I would say it is below. Um, the others on the list. Yeah, I I am going to agree with you and put Naruto there as well. Cool. I I also agree with what you're saying, which is that Naruto does get better. So this is really a question of what we've seen so far yep. versus what like this is this ranking. This is something we're going to come back to in the future. Yeah. So the Naruto being at this point on the list is not going to be set in stone. But again, as we said at the top, this is based off of what we have seen so far, not what we know will happen. And based off of that, based off of the amount of times we've complained about the pacing and the writing and, you know, some lower quality animation, I would put it there. I will say it has gotten much better recently. Mm -hmm. And I think that that will be a trend that we'll see continue into the the next year's worth of coverage, which we will definitely not be done with Naruto by the end of next year. We might be done with Naruto and on into Shippuden, but Naruto as a series will be going on well past the end of the year special number three next year. So uh, it'll probably scoot up the list a little yeah. bit then. So the next one... What do we do next? The next one, I am uh, I am hands down going to put Dimension W. Um, and uh, Oh, Wow. The biggest reason why, okay. and I think you're going to have a, a, a heated argument about your choice on this. So I wouldn't put Dimension W on here because it is an unknown. 
Um, so Dimension W has not influenced anime in the same way uh, that the shows above it on the list have. And the biggest reason why, in my opinion, is because it is so short and so few people got exposed to it in the short amount of time that it was on screen. Even Toonami, when, yeah. it, when it had Toonami, uh, was showing this uh, uh, Dimension W, they only had it on for a total of six months um, before it got taken off. And there are a lot of huh. shows that also got passed by inside of like that short amount of time. Um, but I, I think that's why it ranks so much lower on the list to me. So I'm I am going to agree with you, but I'm going to say the I might put Dimension W over some other shows for different reasons, but I'm going to agree that we should put it there on our list, largely for the reason that you're saying that the influence is there. However, I do think I think you could make an argument that Soul Eater having been only three episodes old at the time of recording this, mm-hmm. uh you could argue that it should go lower because it's just, it's really just intro chapters versus dimension W being a full thing. However, we know that by this time next year, soul eater will move up the list if that were the case. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think that the first three episodes you could also argue are better. Um, It's a little, it's very subjective, (laughs) but dimension W I loved dimension W. So we're really picking favorites here. Mm -hmm. I will say I personally am not a huge fan of fully coolly. Um, it's not a show that I'm going to go back and watch because I enjoy it. Whereas dimension W is. Yeah. So if I were making a list for just me, I might put fully Cooley below dimension W. And I think that fully Cooley is one of those shows that's so important that even if I don't personally enjoy it that much, it should get the bump. So if I were making my own list, Fully Cooley might still beat out Dimension W, but I will say I did, I enjoy Dimension W more. Yeah. And then I have a little bit of heresy to say here because I think I like Dimension W more than Hunter x Hunter as a whole. I think that Hunter x Hunter has far higher highs than Dimension W does, mm. but I think that Dimension W succeeds in telling a tighter narrative because it's only 12 episodes that gives you what you want whereas hunter x hunter dangles things in front of me that i then don't get to have a little too often and it breeds resentment yeah um i Uh, would all of that said i agree with its placement on this list uh those are my caveats but i still think those other shows deserve to be higher and i agree with you but i wanted to put that out there i guess so that people on the internet can hate me i that's the only thing (laughs) that's gonna come of this um yeah next on my list what goes next on my list i would put soul eater um I know that Soul Eater is going to move up. Um, I understand yeah. that we are only three episodes in. However, um, Soul Eater has um, two astounding episodes and one episode that annoys the fuck out of me um, in the first three episodes. And that is because Death the Kid drives me so insane in that episode. I rewatched it. I, I was like, I, I only watched it once. Maybe it doesn't bother me again. So I rewatched it again and I compared it to the first. So I watched the first three episodes all the way through again. And I was like, the Maka Soul Eater episode is so good. And then the Black Star episode is, it has Black Star in it. So better. Yeah. So it's the best. And then I watched the Death the Kid episode and I was just like, it just feels so much more hokey than the other two episodes. 
and it frustrates me mm. because like the that's interesting uh, i see what you're saying i just i like it more than you but i see where you're i just from. don't like death the kid i think that he is a character that like even when you get all of his where he comes from and why he is the way that he is it still makes him my least favorite character of the main characters in the show so yeah, yeah. I, I, you know, I put his guns over him, you know? So, anyways. Um, <laughs> okay, I, I don't agree with you necessarily on how you're, how you feel about him and his episodes, but I absolutely see what you're saying. Yeah. So, I, I see where you're coming from. Cool. I'm going to put um, uh, Hunter x Hunter next, and I know that you're going to argue with that. Um, because I know that you, I am definitely going to argue. You with would that. want Fully Cooley to be below it, but I disagree with you. Yes. And here's why I'm saying Hunter X Hunter is lower than Fully Cooley. Hunter X Hunter is is a show that has um, a, a great narrative story to tell, but it didn't change the face of anime. Um, it didn't change the world of how Americans viewed anime. I don't think that you would have shows that. Um, uh, shows like Paranoia Agent or movies like Paprika or um, uh, a lot of uh, the different, uh, you know, different amazing animated movies that came after Fully Cooley without Fully Cooley. So I think that because of its historical importance, I put Fully Cooley right underneath Cowboy Bebop. And that's, that's me. <laughs> okay, I disagree but well we so we're gonna make the we're gonna make a list that will be available for you guys to look at on our website so we will figure out where to put this and we're not gonna worry about that on air <laughs> but as far as my ranking i would say that i would put fully coolly below hunter x hunter and i would say that the that one i think hunter x hunter has been really influential um, I think it's been a slow burn of influence. And so I think we'll see that influence continuing on into the future as we go. Mm-hmm. But I think that the, you know, sort of the nature of the show being a little bit longer form and being something that maybe has caught on more over time than like when it originally released. And also being from 2011 rather than like the 1990s. Or like maybe the early 2000s, I don't remember exactly when Fully Cooley came out. But Fully Cooley has had more time to influence the waters. And it came out in a time of less anime saturation. So I see what you're saying with its influence. And I agree it is wildly influential. For me, I think once we get to this place on the list, story should win out. And I think that Fully Cooley has story buried underneath uh, metaphor and attempts at humor, mm-hmm. which some of those some of those attempts genuinely work. I don't want to try and insinuate that Fully Cooley is a show trying to be funny but not succeeding. However, I think that Fully Cooley is a show that puts the joke and the metaphor ahead of the story. And for me, especially near the top of the list, I think story should win, and I I would therefore put Hunter X Hunter above it. Cool. So we'll figure out what to do with the list like the single one list to rule them all that you will be able to access on the website later. But I, as far as slot three and four go fully Cooley and Hunter X Hunter are going to be neck and neck. And uh, you can decide which one of us you side with. 
Uh, okay, so the penultimate show on our list, I vote One Punch Man. Oh my god, how have we not think, talked about One Punch Man? <laughs> I think One Punch Man is... I think One Punch Man has had a bit of a zeitgeist moment, both in Japanese market and in the American market. I don't know how much it hit non-anime fans like Attack on Titan hit non-anime fans, but I think that One Punch Man has been a huge hit in the anime community, and I think it's well-deserved. It is a show that is genuinely funny. It is a great parody, send-up, and loving look at anime, action anime, superhero anime, the tropes therein. It mocks them, but with a wink that is knowing and affectionate. It also embraces them in a way that leads to a, a final third of the show that stops being quite as funny and starts to be genuinely sincere and heartfelt. It succeeds in beautiful emotional moments. It has gorgeous animation. It has pulse-pounding fights. It's a great show. And it's 12 episodes, so it's bite-sized. Is your argument that it should be number one over Cowboy Bebop? Oh, absolutely not. <laughs> one Punch Man That's what I is thought. excellent. That's I, what I thought I heard I, from you, and I was like, you're, no, no, you're no. incorrect. I'd say that... no. I think that One Punch Man deserves to be higher than a show like Fully Cooly, which is, I don't even think it's arguable that Fully Cooly is more influential. I think One Punch Man is going to be as influential when we look back 10 years from now. I think that people are going to remember One Punch Man as influencing the next era of anime in a it way that already has has served as a foundational anime. It, it absolutely yeah. Has. So I would and I would say oh, I I had forgotten about One Punch Man because I was only thinking about the shows that we had covered this year. I will say yeah. I agree with you that I think One Punch Man is above Fully Cooly, and it's only from only from a sheer like badassitude level. Like you yeah. cannot say that there are going to be One Punch is not more badass than Fully Cooly. I know you're going to say that, like, yeah. There's going to be, like, two or three people that can. Yeah. <laughs> and there are going to be people out there that are purists. There are going to be people out there that are very precious with the anime, like, Bebop, Fully Cooly, Trigun, Evangelion, the big original anime that are, like, really breathtaking and great. And I think that that's okay. And, you know, again, this is a subjective list. You don't have to agree Spencer and I already have disagreed on it and it's only 10 strong Mm -hmm. and you know, but I would say that for our money, one punch man, it, it's just, it's so excellent and fully coolly is important and Hunter X Hunter is great. And so are shows down the list further, but one punch man is just so good from start to finish. Mm -hmm. It hits comedy. It hits action. It hits emotion. It's fucking beautiful to watch. Like it's just, it's great. Yep. Um, I will say that, but that Cowboy, it's not the best. Yeah. So Cowboy Bebop is obviously going to be number one for me. It is not, and no one who has listened to a second of this show will be shocked. Yeah. By that. So if you've listened to episode one, if you've listened to any of us gushing about it over the past season or 
Um, any right of the Cowboy episode, <laughs> Cowboy Bebop episodes, any of half of the other ones, any of this episode right now that you've been listening yeah. to. Yeah, <laughs> so it's it's not a surprise. It does things inside of the show that have never been redone um, or done nearly as well. Um, it there has never been a character inside of anime that uh, that tugs at my heartstrings like fucking Faye Valentine does. Um, oh my god, I literally cried. Yeah. Watching the show again. Yeah, she is. Last she year. is one of the most astoundingly built femme fatales ever in the canon of anime. Um, she is. Yeah. She is an amazing character that is so complex. Um, you know, Spike Spiegel is a fucking book and a half. Um, you know, Ed is. Uh, you know, Ed. Um, and it, you know, sheer delight inside of a character. Um, you cannot get a better fucking villain than Vicious. Um, you can't have... Talk about Jet. You can't have a better dog than Ayn. Um, and... Well, Ayn's the best character, <laughs> obviously. And, you know, like, the the thing that I think separates Cowboy Bebop, Cowboy Bebop from everybody else, and I'm going to throw this out there that, yeah, we've talked a lot about um, story and uh, a lot about voice actors and a lot about all of this different stuff that makes a good anime a good anime but i will say that having a steady hand that is able to pick out his favorite fucking uh, artist to make music and then to draw a beautifully done animation style and then to make all of these characters come to life and handpick all of the original cast members that were part of it, it's just uh, my I, I tip my cap to the the creator of Cowboy Bebop. Like yeah, Yu Yu Watanabe is and is just a it's a fucking masterwork. I I it is it, you know we're getting this live action show and who knows it could be brilliant. It could be a really cool, almost shot-for-shot remake of the show, but in live action. It could be a concept that goes in its own direction and is good or bad because of it. But you know what? Like The reason that we're getting something like that this far away from when it came out is because it's that good. Mm -hmm. And because it's that good, regardless of how the live action show goes, regardless of whatever else has happened since that show has come out or around that show... Those 26 episodes and a movie are phenomenal and they are going to remain phenomenal for time immemorial. It is a good show. It's a good story. It's just, it's worth watching. So, uh, you know, the, the original director, I I just want to give it, it's, it's sort of like the Oscars when you get down to it, like, um, original director, Sinchino Watanabe, um, the screenwriter is, uh, uh, it's, uh, Keiko Namamoto, Nab- Nobamoto, um, and then I, I always, always, always want to point out that if you have never listened to Yoko Kano, <laughs> like I know you may have watched Cowboy Bebop, but Yoko Kano is an astounding musician. Um, the seatbelts are perfectly put together uh, to create some of like the best animation music that has ever been. Um, so I, I, I think that stepping back on it, it's just like, you can't do fucking better than the show, 
you know? It's just, what are you going to say? It is unsurprising for any of our listeners and unchallenged as the number one on the list. Yeah. Uh, Maybe we'll find some anime to challenge it. I could totally see why you might like some shows on the list more. If One Punch Man being 12 episodes of tight, great storytelling does it for you better than 26 episodes of Bebop, I don't agree with you, but I see where you're coming from. But as far as Spencer and I are concerned, it's the winner hands down. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, with that being said, it's been a it's been a really sweet year, everybody. Uh, thanks for yeah. coming out and listening to our show and finally getting to the point where like we have a lot of downloads per week, which is it's. Yeah, we're really glad to have you, especially if you picked us up this year. That's really exciting that you've come aboard. And uh, also, especially if you've been here since the beginning, that's great. Thank you for sticking with us. And uh, if you want us to do some cool shit, if you want us to watch a specific show, if you want to just chat with us about anime, as you can see that we'd like to do, uh, let us know. We would love to talk to you and we would love to hear what you want out of our show because we want to make it for us, but also for you. Yep. And uh, if you do Christmas, this show, this episode's coming out on Christmas Eve Eve. So Merry Christmas. And I hope you have a great one. If you don't do Christmas, I hope you had a good holiday season, whatever holiday you celebrate. Or if you don't do a holiday, I hope it was still a good holiday season anyways. Mm -hmm. And um, we're going to not be here next week. We do this double length episode to enjoy chit chatting and to wrap up the year. And also to give us an excuse to not put on an episode the next yep. week. Cause it's the holidays. Yep. And uh, so we'll be back in two weeks with uh, continuing coverage of Naruto. And uh, then we'll get into the swing with the rest of our shows. Yep. So stick with us. Uh, we have a message after the credits. Blake and Spencer Get Jumped is made by Forever Summer Productions. With sound editing done by Rashad English of Plain English Productions. He's our level six sound wizard. Level up. Our podcast is ad-free and we want to keep it that way. If you want to keep it that way too, please consider supporting us on Patreon. Follow us on Twitter at B&S Get Jumped. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com forward slash Blake and Spencer Get Jumped. Or talk to us on Reddit at reddit.com slash r slash get jumped. If you like the show, please like, subscribe, and leave a review. Reviews help other listeners find our show. New episodes come out every Sunday. On iTunes. Google Play. Stitcher. Buzzsprout. Or wherever you get your podcasts from. And hey, thanks for listening. This year's Ben Diamond is actually secretly a special agent award goes to... Nadia Huda. And this is uh, for being such a badass and sending me all of this research for this bleach uh, uh, pairing that I'm going to be doing with our show. Um, Without you, I wouldn't have all of this badass research. Uh, So thanks for being an awesome fan.